The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit georgiafaith.com. Thank you for listening. All right, everybody. Family picture, five minutes. You know what happens next. Toddlers take off in the opposite direction. Cousins clash with each other. People run into each other. People argue. Parents start to count off the members of their tribes one by one. Meanwhile, the photographer's getting impatient. The noise level is rising. And who's got eyes on Uncle Al? It's pure chaos. But finally, 20 minutes later, everyone is at the front of church. They're huddled around the bride and groom, and the photographer snaps the wedding photo with a click. It can be really hard to take the perfect family picture, to corral everyone, so many people, into such a small space to make sure everyone's eyes are on the photographer, everyone is smiling, no one's crying, there's no photo bombs. It's a real challenge. But make no mistake, there's joy in that picture. Amid all the clamor, the noise, the effort, there's happiness in those smiles. And it's that happiness that makes you revisit that photograph again and again, days, weeks, years later. It's what brings you back. It makes you realize that all that effort was worth it. As Jesus and his disciples turn toward Jerusalem, he begins the last stretch of his ministry. Jesus' goal hasn't changed. His eyes are still laser-focused on the cross, he knows his mission. And meanwhile, Jesus' enemies, the Pharisees, are prowling. They circle above his head like vultures. They're waiting for the chance to make Jesus slip up. Because they know that Jesus has grown in favor with the people. The public sees him as someone who teaches with great authority, who heals with great power. And the Pharisees are jealous. And they're a little afraid. And so their tactic is to fire questions at Jesus, to try and make him slip up, fall out of favor with his followers. And that's their mission today as they launch another question at Jesus. Their question is, is divorce lawful? Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And as we look at the Pharisee's question, it seems rather straightforward. Because in one sense, it is. The Pharisees already knew the answer to the question. You see, Jewish society at this time maintained that a man could divorce his wife. Most religious authorities at that time agreed on this across the board, but what they didn't agree on were the grounds. What kind of situation prescribed a divorce? Tell us that, Jesus. But in another sense, 
there was something rather underhand about the Pharisees' question. You see, not too long ago, John the Baptist had given his answer to this same question. He bravely stood before King Herod and his wife Herodias, and he called them out on their sin. Herod and Herodias had a marriage that was the result of an unlawful divorce, and high as the stakes were, John didn't back down. He knew God's answer, and his bravery cost him his freedom and eventually his life. This question was a controversial one. But Jesus sees through their plan. Ever aware of the Pharisees' schemes, he answers their question with a question of his own. What did Moses command you? What did Moses say? And now the Pharisees start to sweat. Now they feel the pressure of their own question as Jesus fires it back at them. They knew that Moses permitted a certificate of divorce, but they also knew that permission wasn't the same thing as a command. Jesus has them in a place where he can teach them now. They're trapped. Jesus explains that Moses gave this law because of hard hearts. Moses was living at a time when the children of Israel had taken a stance of not listening to God. They heard what God said about his plans for marriage and the family, but they decided to go their own way. They decided to find their own happiness instead of finding and enjoying the blessings of family where God said they would find them. So they found a way to bypass God's law. But Jesus reminds them that God's plans for the family were in place long before Moses was around. It was at the beginning, at creation, when God formed the man and the woman. He created male and female. He formed them for each other. He created between them a bond that was supposed to last the test of time, a bond for which the only expiration date was death. And it's a model that God designed to be a source of blessings for the man and woman. From this union, children could enter the picture, children who would bring laughter and joy to many Israelite families, The Israelites viewed having children as a sure sign of God's blessing and love. Superstitious Israelites thought that to be without children was a sign of God's curse. Hopeful mothers like Hannah and Sarah prayed and pined for the day that God would bless them with children and allow laughter to flood their houses. Scripture tells us that having A house full of children was like having a quiver full of arrows. It's a picture of the protection that they would bring mom and dad. Children were part of God's plan, too. And God's model for the family was also designed that a man and a woman could grow up and build a family altar, a place where the family would worship, a place where the family would come to know Jesus, what their Savior had done for them. 
Children would walk with their parents hand in hand as they marched toward heaven, growing in the knowledge of their Savior's love for them. That's what God had in mind when he designed the family. Picture a bride with her husband. They hold each other tightly, and they sway slowly in and out of the shadows. It's their first dance. And you look on with wonder and amazement, and suddenly uh, the spotlight catches the bride's face for just a second, and what you see surprises you. She's crying. With tears in her eyes, she looks at her husband and she thinks to herself, how could this be? She closes her eyes and rests her head on her husband's chest. This was what God had in mind. This was the joy God created when he designed the family. That's the joy he wanted us to enjoy when he formed Eve from sleeping Adam's rib. Jesus' answer to the Pharisees was clear. A certificate of divorce wasn't going to cut it. The Pharisees' definition of marriage, their definition of the family, it it was too small. They took God's big plan and blessings and they made it into something much smaller. They didn't think it was a problem to break or bypass something that they didn't see as significant. And to them, this certificate of divorce was just a get-out-of-jail-free card. But Jesus made a distinction here. The distinction is that recognition of sin is not the same as approval of sin. This certificate recognized the sin that was going on, but it didn't approve of it. Moses permitted this certificate because he was dealing with a people who abused God's model for the family. He was dealing with a people who said no to God's blessings, a people who looked for their own happiness. The certificate ended the sin in that relationship and protected the sanctity of marriage that God intended. But it didn't mean that God was indifferent. And the Pharisees needed the reminder that day. Now, as you take out your family wedding picture, what has changed? As you gaze at those faces, maybe you wipe away the dust, but have the expressions changed a little bit? Are the smiles quite as wide as you remembered them? Does there seem to be distance between members of your family, distance that you don't remember being there when the photo was taken? Are there expressions that have changed? Are there new faces? Are there some that aren't in the picture anymore? Is the picture completely shattered? Are you desperately looking for a way to pick up the pieces again? The thing is, when we start to make changes to God's design for the family, we're left with a pretty grim picture. Imagine a man who closes the garage door of his storage unit. Everything inside behind that door reminds him of his wife. His muscles are sore 
from moving her furniture and clothing all day. He stands back and as he does, his son grips his hand. The tears start to start on the man's face. How could this be? This isn't what God planned at all. When we take a good look at God's plan for the family, it's clear that we all fall short. Divorces happen. Distance grows. Love fizzles out. Children fight with their parents. We live in a world where we struggle to find our bearings. We struggle to find what God designed and intended. The world around us has taken God's big plans for marriage and made it into something much less smaller, much less binding, and much less blessed. How can we live up to God's picture-perfect family? It seems to be getting harder and harder to pose for. But when we realize that we fail to emulate what God demands in his law, that's where Jesus enters the picture. For the times when we fail to be the perfect spouse, Jesus was the perfect groom in our place. For the times when we clench our fists in anger, in the heat of an argument, Jesus opened up his hands to accept the nails. For the times when we fail to keep our vows, Jesus kept his perfectly. For the times our eyes wander and our thoughts stray, Jesus kept his eyes on the cross, his mind on his mission. For the times that the children of Israel used a certificate to bypass God's plans for family, Jesus bore his own certificate. It said, King of the Jews. He did all this for us. He went so far to bring us into his family to right what was wrong. He's washed us clean, and now he presents us, his church, as a beautiful bride, radiant, holy, without blemish, stain, or wrinkle. He's done all this for you. So come to Jesus like a child. Leave your loopholes of the law. He tells you, he tells me, to let go of the Pharisee inside, who looks for ways to minimize God's big, big plans for the family. And when we confess our failures, Jesus puts a hand on our shoulder. He says, I know. I died for that. I died to bring you into the family, even though you were straying. I did all this for you. And he gives us the kingdom of God, undeserved and unexpected. It's a gift. So as we run to Jesus, like a child, and as he sweeps you up in his arms, a tear of joy trickles down your cheek. How could this be? So fight for your family. God wants to show you the fullness of his love through the model he's created. Recognize what he's given for you. Look for ways to show love in your family. And for the times we fail, remember what Jesus did in your place. Remember that he fought to include you in his family. He's done it all for you. 
He's fulfilled all of God's demands in our place, and he completes the picture for us. And now when God looks at our families, he looks past the chaos, he looks past the confusion, and through the lens of his love, he sees a picture-perfect family, all because of what Christ has done for us. Amen. Amen.